This is Internet Marketing. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 81 of Internet Marketing brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. A two-segment show today. The first bit is an update and a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the premium site from Kelvin plus a little treat at the end. And the second segment is me talking to Dan about Twitter and Google Analytics tracking tips. All coming up on Internet Marketing. Regular listeners to the podcast um, will be aware that a few months ago um, we launched a premium service um, as an offshoot of the Internet Marketing Podcast. Now, that was essentially a membership community where you could um, sign up, um, get access to um, daily 10-minute training videos, which were normally kind of screencasts, so they would be where we would um, you know, record us carrying out a particular internet marketing tactic. So that might be things like um, showing you how to um, make your website more sticky or how to create a Google local listing or how to do backlink analysis or all kinds of different topics, really. Um, and that's up on the website, um, httppremium.internetmarketingpodcast.org. So that's http premium.internetmarketingpodcast.org. Now, in today's um, episode, which would normally be kind of one of our brain dump episodes, I wanted to give you a bit more kind of insight in terms of um, how that um, process has uh, been running and also a kind of idea of what we've got planned for that service and kind of also a little bit of a treat that I hope you, you guys will appreciate as well. So we launched on June 3rd and, you know, very luckily and, you know, very pleasingly, um, a large number of listeners of the podcast went across and signed up for the introductory offer that we had there on the site. Now, we built the site using Subhub, um, which is a membership community um, CMS um, that's quite powerful and quite effective. And what we do there is that allows you, that CMS, to um, create a website where certain content is available to anyone. And on the premium website, there is some free content there that anyone can view. So there's example videos there, but there's also, um, you know, we've put together like a buyer's guide where we've um, got recommended suppliers. So who are our best email marketing um, companies out there? Who are the um, best analytics packages out there? What are some of the best SEO tools? What's some best WordPress themes and all that kind of thing. So that content's all free and anyone can view there and do that. But also it then has the access to manage the membership database and the, the PayPal and all the stuff behind that. So people who have signed up members of the community can access certain content that, you know, Joe Public can't do. And that's been very successful and it's worked quite well. And on the site, there's different types of content. So, um, the predominant is, like I said, those video training videos. So five times a week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we publish a new video, which is normally between sort of like um, eight to 15 minutes long, but normally about 10 minutes in total on a different topic. And also we also have um, some best practice documents um, whereby they're kind of for content that would be really useful but um, isn't actually available, uh, you know, wouldn't make sense to present as a video, would make sense to present as a document. We've also got best practice documents there and they're going up at about a rate of about once a week. Um, and they are on topics like checklists or guides to give to your web developer so they can understand how to do things. So like some of the ones we've done recently is um, a comparison chart 
between um, what's the best CMS um, for an online retailer, um, checklists of the best WordPress plugins to use, um, guides to give to like how to migrate your site with a minimum SEO impact, um, a guide to how to you know produce an international version of your website and all those different types of things and also we're kind of introducing training videos which are different to the screencasts um, so that might be a powerpoint plus some um, spoken word with that and an explanation like you would get at a conference or um, some video which can sometimes work quite well of just a person speaking that i think sometimes can be quite effective to communicate a topic as well and also we've got um, live chats which we're planning to do which um will be and you know um you know it's a bit difficult planning with time zones but the plan is that we will be available to answer any particular question of a listener of the premium podcast as well but what actually in the meantime has worked out quite well is um we've got a forum in there and actually that that's working quite well to answer people's questions and what works particularly well about that is you don't only get the, the people like myself kind of answering and responding to questions but you also get um other members of the community and that community is you know a variety of people were all over the world with different levels of experience and exposure to internet marketing. And what has really pleased me is the, the interaction that we're getting with those members of the community in the forum and where people are helping each other out. So quite often I might like not check for a couple of hours at the forum and then have found that someone's put up a new thread and it's already been answered by someone else in the community with a really good recommendation. So that's quite good as well. So the members of the community can pull pull on and pool um, collective wisdom of all the people involved. So we use um, Subhub to manage all that kind of thing and that's a lot built into their system. Um, and then what we do is we send out daily emails um, which are um, via MailChimp. So that means that I know um, that sometimes when you're, um, you know, there's a good website out there producing good content, sometimes difficult to keep up with it. So what we'll do is, in addition to the fact that you can just go onto the site and look back at the archive of any of the video content that's there, we also send out like a daily notification email that um, lets you know um, what content's been uploaded that day. And that's using MailChimp, really. And we've kind of kept it fairly simple in terms of it's just a good way of managing the email list when you've got lots of them there. But MailChimp, as we've talked in previous episodes, can do all kinds of fancy, super-duper stuff. But at the moment, we're just using it to manage the mails of everyone who's a, currently a member and get that content out to them quickly and efficiently so they can see what we're producing and um, putting out there. And I suppose the other thing to share about some of the things that have um, worked quite well is um, also the video host that we're using now when we started out using the site um, we were just hosting the video locally which worked quite well for people that were based in the UK um, because you're near the server it was loading quite quickly and all that kind of thing but we've been very fortunate that we've had subscribers to the premium podcast all over the world so um, I mean we bill so this is where we offer payment offers in, um, in US dollars Canadian dollars New Zealand dollars Australian dollars Canadian dollars I think that covered all those ones there and euros as well so we've got people in all those different countries but then there's other people paying like in us dollars and sterling from all over the world so for those people that are a little bit further away that that like regular hosting for video didn't work very well so we explored some other options and what i wanted to use was a um, video platform that allowed you to upload video manage the various different formats and codecs that might be required because lots of people are viewing the sites on iPhones and iPads and that was quite difficult to do. You had to produce different versions of the video to, in, in order to do that with the when you're just uploading the local files. Whereas if you upload these videos to Blip TV, which is a service I'm using, and their premium service, it, it does 
three really, really useful things that um, we weren't able to do by hosting those files locally. So first of all, it'll automatically convert it into an MP3 version, which is really good. So although these screencasts, you kind of need to see a visual element of them to, to make full value of them, a lot of people were saying, well, if it really, really interests me, I'll watch the video. But in a lot of situations, I prefer to listen to your training elements on those 10 minutes every day while I'm in the car or while I'm on the you know the tube or whatnot. So that automatically creates a, um, an audio version. So that does mean if you're the kind of person who wants to, to listen to it while on the move but can't necessarily watch video, you know, i.e. you're in a car driving, that kind of thing, um, you can listen to an audio version of every podcast. It also automatically creates um, what's known as a, an M4V file, which is the video format that, um, that the iPad and the iPhone uses. Now, the iPad and the iPhone aren't very flash-friendly, so that means a lot of embeddable video players don't work on the iPad, so that's brilliant as well. And also, it allows you to host these videos privately if you get a premium subscription um, to Blip TV, which is good for us. So that means that only the members of the community of sign-up members can get access to them, but also it would work like YouTube. It's a familiar interface that Blip TV use. They handle the hosting, so it's got super-duper content delivery networks, so it should be really quick and easy to access no matter where you are in the world, which has worked really, really well for, for us. So that's kind of where we're at at the moment. We've had quite a lot of success. You know, We've had um, more people sign up in the first month than we planned in the first two months, so we kind of had some you know, targets that we'd set ourselves, and month two's gone on to be a very good month as well. So yeah, all very pleasing on that side of things, but I'm aware that for the listeners of the podcast, um, you know, you're in a variety of different situations and deciding to make an investment in a training program of any shape or form is quite a major decision and that makes perfect sense. And we've tried to make that decision a little bit easier by making keeping the prices low. So it's kind of, um, you know, £20 per month in the UK and then rolls out all the same in the different currencies around the world and then like an annual price where you get it for 10 times that but you get 12 months access. So like in the UK, it's, you know, it's £200 for access, whereas if you'd paid on the monthly, it'd have been 240 Now, I still realise for a lot of people, that's a major financial commitment. So what we wanted to do was to try and make it easier for people to understand exactly where we were coming from with the premium podcast. So how I did that and how we are doing that is now if you visit the homepage, so if you go to premium.internetmarketingpodcast.org, so that's premium.internetmarketingpodcast.org, Org. We've got a nice video there explaining what's going on, but that in many ways sort of talks about what we've you know, been talking about here and in previous episodes. But also there's a great big sign-up form there where all you have to do is put in your email address and then it'll ask for your first name and last name. You don't have to put that in. And all you do is put in your email address, no obligation there. And what we'll then do is we will send you um, a week's worth, say five installments of um, the type of videos that you would get on the premium podcast plus one best practice document as well. So you'll get the idea of, okay, well, if I did sign up for this service, um, what would it really be like? What are those videos and screencasts like? I kind of like the idea of them, but would I find them useful? Well, hopefully by signing up for that, you'd be able to um, get an idea of what exactly um, that content is like, how usable it is. Is it kind of at the level you're looking for? And get a real appreciation, we hope, of the value that you can get from that. So every day getting a new internet marketing topic introduced to you in real, de in real detail in a practical, actionable way, I hope and think is a, um, a, a really good idea and you'll see real value in that. So um, 
also there's a little special offer there that gives you a bit of a discount if you sign up um, in that way as well. So if you are interested in getting an idea of what our premium service is like, um, do just visit the homepage and do just sign up um, for that service. All we do is we'll send you um, those five emails and then at the end of that, if, it, if it's not of interest to you, we'll just leave you on our list, which mean that whenever we publish new free videos, we'll just inform you of those. So no heavy handed, you know, sign up now, you've got to sign up now, repeating and spamming and all that kind of thing. We just want to try and make it easier to give people who are a little bit unsure of whether they want to sign up for the service or not, a good idea of exactly what they would get. But of course, if you are interested, you know exactly what you want and this sounds perfect and would be exactly the kind of training material that push you forward. You don't have to sign up for that trial. You can just go to the, the website and um, sign up there and there nice and simply. So hopefully that's given you a bit of an update on where we are on the premium podcast. Um, hopefully a nice little treat for you in the fact that you can sign up um, and get this week's worth of content for absolutely zilch. And um, yeah, hopefully that'll um, give you a good idea of where we are. And we'll continue to give you updates on how the premium podcast is going, because I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because I hope that some of you will find it interesting and you know be prepared to sign up and become part of that community and participate in that forum and learn from those videos. But also, I think for a lot of you, it's quite an interesting process that we're going through in terms of developing a content site, developing a membership site. And I know a few of you would like to do that as well. So we'll keep you informed of some of the the lessons we learn and the processes we go through and building that site. I'm with Daniel Rolls. I've just learnt that his surname is Rolls, not Rowles. It's only been 70 or so episodes, Andy. That's fine. I'll forgive you. Yes, I know you will, don't I, Daniel? <laughs> um, I'm as bad as Kevin and Kelvin, isn't it? Anyway, um, tracking in Google Analytics. I know you've got a few words to say on that. Yeah, this just came out from a few conversations about it recently. Uh, people looking at Twitter, spending lots of time and effort in tweeting and tweeting like crazy and putting out absolutely tons of tweets. A couple of points on this. First of all, my opinion of Twitter is kind of in line with my opinion of blogging and that it's very valuable if you're actually saying something useful. And essentially, you don't need to say things absolutely constantly. So even with Twitter, where it's a more, it's not an interruptive channel, it's something you dip in and out of. Mm. I think it's definitely worth making sure that when you tweet something, you're actually adding some value or pointed some content that's useful. So I hadn't done some testing on this, looking at tweeting five times a day versus tweeting once a day. Actually, if the once a day tweet has got good quality on it, then you'll actually get just as much many people dipping in and out of that as well. So don't feel you have to be tweeting absolutely constantly. I think it's one of the you think it's all right to inject your personality into your tweets? I think you have to. I think mm. that the the big mistake people make with blogs and with tweets is that they're... I think pointing to content is is relevant. Mm. And the way I use it a lot of the time is to particularly... To actually just... I use it for funny information. So I'll follow half a dozen people um, and literally just use them to filter information for me to a certain extent. Right. So, yeah. for example, uh, I will follow... I follow Andy and I'll follow Kelvin, who does the podcast as well, uh, Tim Ferriss, a lot of other people... And just allow them to send through what's relevant because they're interested in the same kind of things as me and they'll point out interesting content. But I'm also interested to know a little bit about them and what they're up to and what they're doing. So actually, if I find out that uh, Andy is visiting somewhere and particularly likes something, actually, I do see that as relevant. I don't see Mm. that as a problem. And the thing is with Twitter, I think it's your choice Mm. to dip in and out of it. I think some people that I follow spend their entire life sending pictures and uh, telling me what track they're listening to and things like that. Mm. Not so interested in that. 
Um, now and again, if they love a particular record, or that's great. But I don't want a constant flow of updates of what they're listening to through in the day. But yeah. I think that a little bit is great, and it kind of builds up. You're building a brand around a personality, and I think there's some real yeah. value in that. Mm. So I think that's good. But and it can drive traffic. You've just got to make sure you keep the quality of the traffic up, which kind of brings me on quite nicely to what I was, the point because. When you look at how much traffic you're getting from Twitter, you need to look at two things. There's two things that are kind of missing from this. So say you're using Google Analytics. You could be using any analytics package. If you're not using an analytics package, get one installed. Go and get Google Analytics. But essentially, most of the people or a lot of the people using Twitter aren't using Twitter.com. They're using things like TweetDeck and yes. various other tools we've talked about. Yes. Now, the problem with that is in analytics, that will not show up as traffic that's coming from Twitter. It will show up as direct traffic. So it will show up in your analytics as if it's just come from nowhere because okay. Google Analytics can't tell where it's coming from mm. at the end of the day. So we need to do something about that, and we'll come back to that in a moment. The other thing is you'll find that your tweets are cut and pasted into people's blogs and put into discussion forums and mm. all those kind of places as well. So again, that traffic won't be coming from Twitter. It'll be coming from somewhere else. But we don't actually always assign that value to Twitter as well. I see where you're coming from now because if someone's on the Twitter website and they press a link that goes to your website, Google, and you've got analytics on mm. your site, Google knows it's coming from yeah. Twitter. But if it's from TweetDeck, it's just come from someone's PC somewhere. It's yeah. like direct traffic, isn't it? Exactly. Or if it's on a blog somewhere... And it's a link. You don't actually know that it's come through from that particular tweet. So there's two things to do. First of all, if you just do a search for URL tool, you'll Mm. get the Google URL tool. And what this allows you to do is do you chuck in your link? So you put in the link you were going to link to in your tweet anyway. So it might be mywebsite.com forward slash mypage.html before you've shortened it. Mm. I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. And it gives you the opportunity to put some variables on there. So you say, what's the source of the campaign? It's my summer campaign. Oh, um, yeah. what's, what's the actual method? Well, it's coming through from Twitter, and I'm going to call it test one, for example. Then it will give you a longer URL that's got all these variables yes. appended to the end. Okay. Then what you do, you grab that, and you put that into your URL shortener. So if you're using Bitly or TinyURL, one of those websites that shortens a link for yes, you. Yes, yes. Because otherwise you're going to end up with this link that's going to take your entire or tweet. Or TweetDeck will do it automatically yeah, for you. Exactly, yes, exactly. Or TweetDeck will yeah. do it But first you must put it through this URL tool. Yeah. So yeah. what you're doing is you're adding in these, these variables so that when it goes through, even if it comes through from TweetDeck, mm. Google will be able to identify it as being from Twitter. Sorry, let me just backtrack. Is URL tool a Google thing? Yes, it's, it's Brilliant. part, yeah. So it's, I think we've spoken about this before. Yeah, we've mentioned we? it previously. Have, yeah. And I think that the key thing is just to try and join these things up because what you do is you put that in and actually it will show up in Google Analytics under sources of traffic. Mm. It will appear as campaign traffic, okay? So you can look it up there. The other thing to do is if you use Bitly or TinyURL, something like that, make sure you've got an account set up for doing that because then what you can also do is you can log into your Bitly account and you can go and see, actually, where are the links onto this particular shortened URL coming from? So you can see that originally in your Google Analytics, it actually came through Twitter. Yeah. But it might have appeared in other places. It might have appeared in other people's blogs and things like that. And Bitly, when you log in, will give you a bit of an insight if it mm. has started to appear in other places. And there was a great talk uh, some time ago by e-consultancy, a guy called Craig Hanna, who looks after training at e-consultancy. Yeah. And just saying they'd done some research. And basically... They'd proven the fact that an awful lot of the traffic that is coming through from Twitter isn't, isn't through Twitter or any of the tools from Twitter. It actually ends up appearing in a blog or right. being discussed in a podcast or something else. And this, this link has a bit of a life of its own. So by using Bitly, you can actually track who else 
and where else these links are actually appearing. Now, this Google URL tool, the other thing it's really important for is emails. Because if you're just sending out an email, exactly the same thing happens in that Google can't tell where the traffic's come from. Yes, yes. So again, if you're putting links in your emails, use this Google URL tool to actually track through your links. And you just better track what's coming through. And obviously, in this case, you just call it email. Um, the other thing I'd suggest is that for each of your links within mm-hmm. your email, even if you link to the same place twice, give them a different bit of tracking code. And you can work out where in your email people are actually clicking quite oh, easily then as clever. well. Yeah, yeah. So that's a little bit helpful. Possibilities are endless, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. but I, I just think make sure you're separating out because actually, in reality, Twitter is probably driving more traffic than you're currently realizing. And as tweets start to appear more and more in Google and loads of other services are appearing that allow you to search through tweets and all those kind of things, people spread, spread them out a lot more because of that. It's really important to realize the value of what it's driving to you. Yes, yeah. The next thing you can do if you're looking at Google Analytics is look at advanced segmentation, which is up in the top right-hand side, and you can look at different sources of traffic against each other. So what you can do... And I've mentioned this before um, on a slightly different topic, but is look at, for example, all the traffic that comes through from my pay-per-click mm. compared to all the traffic that comes through from my tweets. So I've set it up so I can track that. Which one actually offers the most value to me? Mm-hmm. So do I actually find that the traffic coming from Twitter is not actually turning into anything? They're coming through reading an article and leaving. Do those people come back again and then do something in my website. So what you also need at the end of this is to actually have set up uh, conversion tracking. There's a few other things to think about here as well, but have a look at conversion tracking in Google Analytics. Make sure you've got that set up. And then what you can end up with if you're using tracking code is you can go all the way through from tracking from end to end. So each of my different types of traffic, I can track it as it's coming through. I've got conversion code set up so I know how many people have filled in a form Mm -hmm. or bought a product or whatever it is. And I can track end to end and say, look, which one's actually offering me some value. Mm. But my one hint on this is don't get fixated on last click. And this is the big problem. Last click. Yeah, this is the problem with most analytics packages is that they account or attribute the conversion, so somebody filling a form in, somebody buying something, to the last click. So it came from pay-per-click and they bought. Or it came from Twitter and they bought and they filled in the form. But in reality, they might have been listening to a podcast for six months before they actually did that. And that's been one of the real drivers of engagement. So you've got to be really careful not just to go, ah, well, pay-per-click's working, Twitter's rubbish, don't get any conversion, so I'm turning Twitter off. In reality, like all traditional marketing, there is a mix of touch points. And you need to try and look at the bigger picture. Now, sometimes you can do that by using your analytics package. Google Analytics isn't fantastic for it. Um, something like Omniture, which is a, a paid-for package, is mm-hmm. obviously a lot better for doing that kind of stuff. They've got a lot more features for doing it. But there's also a qualitative thing of actually asking people, doing email surveys, mm. speaking to some of your customers and saying, did you look at this? How often do you search? How do you search? How many pages do you look at? Have you come across anything else that we do? Have you spoken to us on the phone? And working out what all the different touch points are that actually go up to make your marketing mix Mm -hmm. and actually produce results at the end of the day. Because otherwise, it's too easy just to switch a channel off, assume it's no good, and it's it's not the reality. And Mm. I I remember just, I'm having work with you, Andy, previously, just doing podcasting for a long period of time and trying to attribute the business directly to the podcast took a long time because it was 18 months probably before people were actually phoning and saying, I heard the podcast, yes. I want to buy something. But there are a lot of people that we, we didn't realize that had been listening to podcasts that were coming through. Mm. And I think that that helps build trust and engagement. And a lot of the things for social media, and I think 
blogging, podcasting are particularly good for this, are building trust over the long term, building Absolutely. a brand. Yeah. And so many companies have been, you know, for years, the big brands, the FMCG, so the fast moving consumer goods, the kind of things, you know, you go and buy in the supermarket and you don't really know why you buy them. Mm. They're good at doing because they build brand over a period of time and they've really mastered this art. And yet, for some reason through digital marketing, we've just completely forgotten about this. It's the multiple touch thing, isn't it? It's yeah. where you're, uh, you're being exposed to something multiple times and after a certain sort of threshold, it's kind of in there subconsciously. Yeah, and you get all kinds of things. You can look at net promoter score, for example, which kind of allows you to say, how likely is someone to recommend your business? And there's all different ways mm. of measuring this, but at the most basic level, I think one of the good things is just going to speak to some of your customers, do some surveys, mm. ask mm. people what they think, ask what the touch points have been, and you start to build a picture over time and actually work out which of your marketing is actually valuable. Well, Dan, some great, great stuff there. So basically, uh, tracking in Google Analytics, let me get my teeth in, tracking in Google Analytics. I particularly uh, like that URL tool. I must take another look at that, actually. Fantastic. Daniel Rolls, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Andy. Sorry, Daniel Rolls, thank you very much indeed. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, if you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three. 256 or 150 if you're inside the UK it's 01273 256 150 and you can leave a voice comment or question and we'll play it on the show also we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself well that's it for now Andy White signing off until next week on internet marketing <laughs>